1: This is My Kind of Weird, a podcast where two people swap and pitch three kinds of media, something watchable, something readable, and something listenable, to see if at the end of the pod each person says, that's my kind of weird. I'm your host, Anthony Pollock, and joining me today is comic book writer, Andrew Clemson. Andrew, are you ready to get weird with me?
0: Uh, yeah, as weird as we can get over the, over the internet. Okay,
1: so Andrew, present your something watchable.
0: Right, so something watchable for me, I uh I I, I um I love sort of like comedy stuff. I got a young kid, you know, I'm knackered by the end of the day, so I like to just put something on where you can just, you know, short snippets of just fun and you can you can just uh die, you know, just just chill out. And over the pandemic I've been really Yeah, it's it's just I rarely have the energy to to delve into sort of long epics and dark and drama and stuff like that so i watch a lot of comedy um and um especially over the last year over the pandemic i've been watching a lot of it you know it keeps your spirits up and stuff like that so um my something to watch is a comedy series uh, from the uk called friday night dinner they're here, they're here. hello benvino you're invited to the most uncomfortable meal of the week high five dad Christ! Join the only family. On, his face. Cheers. That will make you feel better oh, about your own. Yes. Wow, indeed. Friday night dinner, part of the Ministry um, of Laughs. Which is, uh, it's got a lot of familiar faces in it. It's basically uh, a family, it's a Jewish family uh, from London. I think they're from London. I never really say. But um, it, it focuses around the two boys, and they visit every Friday night for a dinner with their parents. Um, yeah. and they're all just weird you know it's it's a very english small um uh, sort of just down to earth sort of comedy with weird characters and i don't know what it yeah. is that that makes me i've rewatched it god i must have rewatched all the episodes hundreds of times over the last year i think it just makes you there's something familiar about it which is odd considering how weird it is but um you know they just go around they've got these two brothers that are always sort of fighting between themselves and they've got a a very odd dad and you know a mum that's always cooking cooking their dinner and then they've got a bizarre neighbor that comes around and uh uh, yeah they just get up to get up to all kinds of mischief but something about it it just um just makes me feel feel happy (laughs) I would so, add
1: in they've also got a somewhat bizarre grandmother as well.
0: Yeah, but the grandmother—I don't know. Again, I, I think there's bits of all these characters. You know, I, I know people who, who all of the who sort of um, these characters remind me of people that I know, either in my family or you know, extended family or other people. Um, and the, the grandmother to me, she's just like a sort of nice old lady, um, and she just. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's she's got some sort of weird mannerisms that are there for you know the comic effect but you know they're all just even the weirdest people in this in this program are just very nice people when you get down to it yeah. like there's no there I say there's no sort of horrible people there are uh, that they sort of introduce as I guess the protagonists in certain episodes one of my favorite yeah. episodes the grandmother gets a new boyfriend uh and <laughs> he brings this guy around yeah <laughs> It's amazing. Um, she brings us it going around. It can go badly. Yeah. And he's called Mr. Morris. And he's like, he's got like a little Hitler mustache. Um, and they've, he's just the, the most horrible old man you can possibly imagine. And it turns out that the grandmother's having an affair, you know, in her sort of mid 80s. She's having this sort of passionate affair with an old man who's, who you know, and he's speaking to his wife. And he's, he's uh, they're at dinner and his phone goes off. And they say, who's he speaking to? And she goes... Yeah. Um, well, I don't know how I can tell you, and um, but we're having an affair. And then you hear in the background, he goes, you're a big bag of shit. And she goes, oh, yeah, that's his wife. <laughs> like, it's just, um, but again, it's sort of like they've introduced this really horrible character. And the two episodes he's in, I think, are the best ones. But they introduce him, and him being horrible just shows you how nice the rest of them are. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just, it's just a real sort of... Um, I don't know, just really nice. It just it's just it's, you know sort of like a, a taste of home, I guess.
1: I really enjoyed it because um, I'm a bit of a fan of Tamsin Greg from Black Books, so yeah. I mean for that um I will pretty much check anything she's she's uh, in out. Um yeah. I wasn't able to really check out uh, a lot because it's not available in Australia, so which uh. That's Seems a, a bit bizarre because I can see a lot of people getting into this. It kind of reminds me of like if two of the young ones came over for Friday dinner to a Jewish <laughs> household, then that yeah. would probably be kind of an apt description of, um, or I guess pitch of any anyone who wants to, who is thinking about checking this out. But um, I think it's a bit of a travesty that's not over uh, available <laughs> over here, at least I couldn't find it anywhere
0: that's surprising because i think there's you know there's a lot of similarities you know british comedy and australian uh, comedy sensibilities mm. i think they're very similar um yeah. there's a, there's a lot of stuff in there um, i don't know if you've watched like the inbetweeners yeah because yeah. one of the the main boys is, is briefcase wanker from the inbetweeners um i say boys the you right. know, the early early 20s um yeah. and obviously tamsin Grieg's in it she's a very different character she's like a very mumsy character in this which she, you know she isn't normally um but she's yeah. It really doesn't, it doesn't feel like her. Like she's, she's, she's a very, she's very good in this playing the mother. The dad is, um, did you watch Chernobyl? It's a weird tangent. No,
1: no, okay. it's a bit of a strange segue, Andrew, but no, I've not
0: <laughs> watched Schoenobel. Okay, so Chernobyl, I know I said I didn't watch <laughs> stuff like that, but, but you know, it's was pre-pandemic, but Chernobyl, there's a character in that that people will recognise in that, the guy who basically causes in the in the, in the the miniseries. There's a scientist in charge of uh, the reactor in Chernobyl in that series who causes the reactor meltdown because he's like, no, no, it's fine. Don't do that. Da, 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 da. It's the dad from Friday Night Dinner, which is very bizarre when you've watched this program and you know him as a comedy actor to see him as this, you know, in this horrible drama. Um, and all of those characters, there's uh, the neighbor Jim uh, has been in Hans yeah. in in like uh, Green Room and he was in Spaced. Um, it's, it's a you know you see all the same sort of British comedy actors throughout the series that you know you recognise from other series. It's it's really worth hunting down. I think there's six series now. Um, you can definitely get it if you whack a VPN on your uh, computer and load up Netflix. It's all on uh, the UK Netflix. We don't do that, mate. We don't do that <laughs> around here. What are you talking about? Oh, you got to get the best uh... stuff.
1: <laughs> so my something watchable is. In the Mouth of Madness?
2: This one will drive you absolutely mad.
1: The riots began because the stores
2: could not meet the demands of Sutter Kane's novel, In the Mouth of Madness. Kane disappeared two months ago without a trace. the guy that writes horror books. You can forget about Stephen King. Kane outsells them all. I need to know if he's alive or dead, and I need that book. <laughs>
1: It's a set-up.
0: Set I just have to work out a very different direction we're going,
1: very different, very different indeed. So, it's an American horror film which was uh came out in 1995. Um, now, what you'll find interesting about this film is it's very similar to uh Event Horizon, which uh, I spoke about with my guest uh last last week, last week's episode. Now, as far as um, the what it's about, it's it's sort of very kind of almost Lovecraftian horror. Did you end up watching it?
0: I've I've seen Mouth of Madness um, back when I was in uni, so like twenty odd years ago, and I did uh, I did sort of skim the best bits recently, just to you know reacquaint myself with it. So I, yeah. I remembered you know all the stuff. The weird stuff from it, yeah, I'm pretty well acquainted with it again.
1: Yeah, so it's about this uh, this horror novelist called Sutter Kane, which sort of um, he disappears and he's uh, apparently dead, and an insurance investigator needs to look into things because uh, the uh, the uh, the company that's pointing out is uh, Sutter Kane's next. Book. They need to know where he is, why he hasn't turned in his book, and all these sorts of things. And it sort of sends the insurance investigator played by Sam Neill on kind of this. Um, the great sort of Sam love, Neill. The great Sam Neill on this kind of Lovecraftian sort of, um, I guess. Horror fueled adventure where he ends up almost like he's in another dimension in this town where yeah everything that Sutter Kane is writing about is actually taking place and the town itself is actually the town that is featured in the in the Sutter Kane books. Interesting anecdote about this uh, movie is it's um, by John Carpenter and it's actually the one of the influence uh, influences with this uh movie was about sort of john carpenter's relationship and friendship with the great um stephen king so it's an interesting sort of um look at the horror genre how weird the horror genre can get um there's a lot of truly gruesome bits it's very much i would say it's it's almost like a, a, it has a cult status. This film, for sure, at this point, but it's a—it's really a, a great if you're not if you're just used to sort of slasher horror movies and just kind of what you would consider sort of atypical horror and you know like horror blockbusters and stuff. This movie will really sort of, I guess, warp your mind and your perceptions on what horror can be.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of. Um it's it's kind a lot of it is left up to interpretation isn't it i mean it's to do it's yep. madness you know is the is he crazy at this point is he imagining this is da, 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 da. but um it, it it had re-watching it really recently after reading i don't know have you read department of truth the comic? no
1: not yet <clears throat> yeah okay no, not yet uh,
0: it's it's not like anything that's a direct parallel, but there was there was definitely some of the story, you know, like the the Sutter Kane uh, twists and stuff, sort of gave me uh, uh, Department of Truth vibes. But it's, I mean, yeah, there's there's some real creepy stuff in in that film, um, uh, and it stands up.
1: Yeah, yeah, big time. And what was the what was it about this film that reminded you of the Department of Truth?
0: Ah, uh, it's just, if you've not read it, I don't want to give away the spoiler. It's kind of an end of issue one and then the series premise. I can, I can talk about it, but it will spoil it for you if you've not read it.
1: All right, no worries. Now, <laughs> Andrew, present your Something Readable.
0: So again, uh, I've gone, for my Something Readable, um, I'm a big fan of um, Kyle Starks, who's a, a comic book creator. Um, and he, he, the book I chose from Karl Starks is called Sex Castle, which, um, isn't exactly what it sounds like when you first listen to it. It's (laughs) not, it's not just a big (laughs) castle of sex. It's, it's basically, I mean, the tagline is the, the, uh, where is it? The, the former world's greatest assassin leaves the world of killing behind, moves to a small town only to be pulled back in. Um, it's, it's basically a generic, you know, mashup of all the eighties, ridiculousness and you've got this um ex assassin with an eye patch that moves to a small town after he gets out of prison you know he's got the the president offering him a job he's like no man i'm leaving that behind and he basically goes to work in a florist in a small town but like somehow there's an evil you know there's an evil uh, crime guy with a peacock that that wants to pull him back in and he, he just kills everyone in stupid ways and there's it's just full of 80s cliches, 80s, 90s action cliches, and um, you know, literally, there's there's analogs of all of those sort of, you know, uh, Schwarzenegger and Van Damme and uh, Stallone, they're all in it. Uh, those sort of characters, it's just it's just one-liners and jokes and silliness, um, but uh, just just so much fun. Like all, I don't know if you've read any of Karl Stark stuff, but it's all there's always you know these fun one-liners and uh, they're mm. just great fun.
1: Yeah, it's very pun heavy, that's for sure. Yeah. it's very um, it's so it's written and drawn. Is it colored as well by Kyle Starks? Um, uh, well, I don't know if there's a sure color version. That.
0: The one I've got is black and white, um, right? right. So he's, he's done color stuff before. Like, there's another one he's done, one of my favorites is called Rock Candy Mountain, uh, which is like sort of yeah. hobos, you know, riding the rails type thing. I mean, in that one, that's got one of my favorite lines of all time in it where he's beating up. He's like, you know, these guys that are attacking him, he beats them all up and there's an, an on, a bystander watching on and he says, oh, my God, he's he's got punch diarrhea and their faces are the toilet bowl. It's like those kind of one liners. It's, it's just all of his stuff is so good.
1: Perfect. Now, in return, My Something Readable is a graphic novel uh, which is out through Behemoth. um, And I've come to realise that a lot of people aren't really familiar with the Behemoth um, company. um, But that said, um, this uh, graphic novel is called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which apparently is a horror film as well and a horror film that I haven't had the chance to read, but it's basically about this vampire in the Middle East and about how she comes to grips with uh, being a vampire and about it's kind of, it's, it's strange because it also goes into sort of the really deep sort of seated depression that a vampire would go through from the starvation she puts herself through to the the kind of the leaving herself alone in the desert overnight to kind of um, so that she, you know, I guess dies, erupts into flames as vampires tem- tend to do or just, you know, um, disintegrate. But it also, in a way, kind of also touches into the, the bare animalistic instincts that vampires have in terms of, like a survival because there is a scene in the comic book that also or graphic novel that uh, where she has left herself in the desert but and she wants kind of the to um, to die because she can't stand being a vampire anymore. everyone she knows and loves and she's basically eaten. Um, so uh, but right at the last second she can't really go through with it because that kind of that vampire survival instinct just kicks in. So it's kind of sad in a way, it's kind of almost um, an allegory for women walking home alone at night, except the difference here is the the woman, so to speak, is She's going after predator. men. Yeah, yeah. exactly, hundred percent. So, um, yeah, I, I, um, what do you think about it?
0: I've I've only read the first issue. Um, I, I guess, basically, if the friend of mine who has a comic store here, he had the first issue, and I read that one. Um, I don't know. I, <sighs> It didn't really do much for me, the the, the whole thing. It was it felt a bit um I felt like I'd sort of read it before. I don't know, like, like how- I felt like I'd seen it before somewhere. Um and I I look I, I looked it up and it turns out the comic came out like seven years ago or something and they've sort of re-released it, I think. Mm-hmm. um i think because i think behemoth does that like they sort of acquire stuff and republish them and do a lot of that sort of thing yeah
1: yeah yeah they've done that recently with a french comic here yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they, tend they to...
0: bought um what was it they bought they bought a uh, european publisher didn't they it's not ahoy it's um amigo yes so yeah. amigo comic so they're putting out a lot of older stuff but um i haven't seen the film um and i i'm sure this probably has a lot more weight I think this is like expanded universe type stuff, isn't it? I don't think it's a direct. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I, I mean, uh, in my Discord server, I was talking about it, and the uh, someone said back to me, "It's it's actually this came after the film." Uh, thought, yeah, oh Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so but that's I, interesting. But I, I don't think really actually, have any sort of basis of comparison between the film and this.
0: No, I, I think I think maybe I need to sort of look for the rest as they come out again through Behemoth and they're available. I think maybe I need to read the whole thing because obviously the the first one just sort of sets it up, doesn't it? It's like you say, she's like, "Woe is me," uh, you know. Oh, God, I've you know all by myself. I'm a vampire. I don't want to eat people, but I have to, and all this kind of stuff. And I think the meat of the story is probably after that. So I feel like you know I'm not yeah, giving probably. it a fair shot just from the first one, but the the first one. Uh, if it, I don't know if it was if it was the first one or nothing, it wasn't uh, it wasn't really my favourite thing.
1: All right, now Andrew, present your something listenable.
0: I originally I remember when we were talking about this, and I, I originally was sent something a lot meatier for something listenable, uh, which is some Chris Morris comedy, and I and I uh, which is Blue <laughs> Jam uh, or is it Jam? I can't remember the audio one, the video. one. And I I used to think that was really super edgy when I was at uni years ago, and I re, re-listened, yeah. it. and some of it is there's some questionable shit in that so we changed that <laughs> and i went very uh to keep everything the tone of things a lot yeah. um, happier i went with just some an album i've been listening to on spotify with my son uh who's he's yeah. just turning four and it's it's um uh, the album's called a combination of Cribbins by bernard Cribbins, who's a, an actor 18,
2: if you follow what i mean while himself
1: on the head laying his squeeze between his two knees
0: so what a place to be feeling the breeze. And if you please, he was blowing uh, From the UK trumpet. that you'd recognise, you know, he did the narration song. on the Wombles back in the day. Uh, he's in Doctor yeah. Who. Um, yeah, I, I think that's Doctor probably
1: his biggest biggest role I know him for is um, Donna Noble's dad. That's it.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you recognise him from a gif, if nothing else, the gif of him crying. Yeah. <laughs> People <laughs> are always using that one. But he's got... You know, again, like, like I was saying about watching Friday at Dinner, like this year, sometimes you just want to put something on that's like a, you know, a warm blanket. And his voice to a lot of people from a certain generation is, you know, from the Wombles and stuff. You recognize it. It just, you know, it takes you back to a sort of a, 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 a different time. And this album, it's it's a sort of, he's not a singer per se. He's He does like sort of comedy. You know, it's it's, I think it's from the 50s or 60s, this album, but um he he did uh, a couple of famous songs like right said fred and uh gossip calypso and hole in the ground they're just like nice little um you know fun little things that you can listen to and you know i think i think if you know the guy's voice uh, and recognize those songs you know i just i just put them on and you can't help but smile
1: yeah i i think my biggest problem with with uh, listening to it was I made the mistake of listening to it on YouTube and then it sent me on this whole sort of rabbit hole down the <laughs> Bernard Cribbins, um, like everything he's done singing-wise. Oh, right. And, um, look, it's a sign of the times, this album. It's very it's very English. It's yeah. certainly very British, that's for sure. Um, it, It's very old-timey. It feels like... He was the entertainment on a that that like an old like radio show would cut to during like yeah. uh, I don't know during the middle of the Goon Show or something like that. It yeah. kind of has that kind of you know just easy to sing along to. Um, it's it's very odd as well in a way, um, especially yeah. since as far as Bernard Cribbins was concerned, I only knew him as Donna Noble's dad. So to hear yeah. this, I'm just kind of like what the fuck is happening to the world now? And, and what, what is happening to my world? And it just kind of just melted my brain for, for a good sort of hour as I was going down this Bernard Cribbins rabbit hole. Um, it's quite impressive that this is probably how he started and that he's sort of segued into acting over time.
0: I, th- I think he did a few films, like I think he was in a couple of American films back in the day, like um, okay, yeah. with like, uh, oh God, I can't remember the guy's name. But I think yeah, yeah, I think he was in a couple of big ones. I was really worried you were yeah. gonna say that. I fell down a rabbit hole and found him, you know, having anti-Semitic rants on the, on a radio show in the fifties or something. Uh. <laughs> I got really worried for a second.
1: I don't know. I think um that I think everyone else makes up for that from that era. So um, yeah. um <laughs> uh so yeah, it's jazzy at times. There's a little bit of blues in it, but it's all kind of like very like kids songs and stuff yeah. well this yeah. is the thing like films,
0: I, yeah. I I put it on like i've been researching i've got another book i was going to write and basically it's just a bit of fun It was going to be like a cockney gangster film like written entirely in cockney rhyming slang so i've yep. got these playlists i put together on spotify and for this one it was all like i don't know if you know like Chaz and dave and you know it's all very english you know um sort of cockney style music and he just popped up as the as a recommended thing at the bottom and i so yeah. i had this thing playing in the car and my kid like got really into it he's like oh play play gossip calypso can you play you know right said fred like he they are very kid friendly sort of things they're very bouncy there's there's a really nice one about like a mouse that falls in love with an elephant like they're they, this is how stupid they are they're, they're very nonsensical but there is some you know there's some there's a lot of heart to a lot of them um yeah. and they just they're just nice. They're just nice to put on. It it is very sort of old-timey and it just, you know, it makes you think of a nicer time. That's all.
1: Yeah. A a nicer more innocent time. Yeah. Um yeah. It's very um it's very Anglo
0: the album <laughs> yeah i mean i again i don't know how how it translates if you don't if that voice you know i used to watch the wombles when i was a kid have you ever do you know of the wombles did that get over to no, the no, I don't, no. okay the wombles was this thing it's the wombles of wimbledon common and they were basically puppets i don't know what they're supposed to be they're like little rodent creatures and right. they lived on wimbledon common and collected rubbish so they were right. like they would go around they're like little puppet type creatures animated things and they i think it was from the late 70s early 80s and basically they would go around and they all lived together and they would collect up rubbish and clean up the common and, and bernard Cribbins was the narrator so he would right. so, so for people that used to watch that as a kid it's one of those voices that you recognize and it reminds you of that thing so it's right. it's it's probably a very specific thing for but they, he's got a sea shanty on that album and that's hot <laughs> It was. (laughs) He's the original Sea Sandy guy.
1: So my something listenable was the Cabinet of Curiosities podcast, which is uh, by Aaron Mankey. Our world is full
2: of the unexplainable, mysterious events, unusual objects,
1: and people who defy the tidy little categories that make us feel safe, and it's always been this way. Which is why, for centuries, some people have tried to collect their discoveries in one place. Four hundred years ago, those collections took on a name. In Germany, they called them the Kunstkammer, which means cabinets of curiosities, and all through uh, the For 17th, those who 18th, aren't familiar with that name, um, you're probably familiar with a podcast called Law. So. Aaron Mankey's Cabinet of Curiosities is a great little 15-minute podcast where each um, sort of uh, episode he sort of delves into the not quite the dark and macabre like what he does with lore but more so the kind of interesting uh, points in history or people in history and how they started to eventually reveal at the end how they became this person. So, for instance, there's there's things about like, um, uh, I mean, there's there's one episode about how um, uh, it's about this person who he did the sort of uh, drug and uh, gun smuggling in sort of World War Two, and there's uh, different episodes about uh, like, uh, for instance, there's an episode as well where he goes, uh, he talks about uh, the. The woman that created Whiteout, um, who was the mother of one of the monkeys, so it's all—it's a fun podcast because it only goes for fifteen minutes, and sometimes you don't really need sort of a forty to fifty-minute history lesson in in a podcast form. So it's yeah. great for sort of just. You know, I mean, you could listen. I mean, even if you, it's one of those podcasts where even if you don't listen to podcasts all the time and got subscribed and got fifteen to twenty episodes behind, you could probably <laughs> catch up with all those episodes in in a day. So it's uh, it's uh, just a lot of fun, I think.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, i I listened. I listened to that episode you were talking about about the uh, the chap that was gun running um, from the sta- I think it was from the states to Spain, wasn't it? That episode, and um, yeah. Yep. I really liked it. Like I, my podcasts, I think like a lot of comic people are all like comic. So all I'm listening to is, is comic people and they're talking about process or they're talking about what's coming out or opinions. So I, I I do try wherever possible to find stuff that isn't about comics. Like I love Mm. the Adam Buxton podcast. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah. So he's, he's like one of the top ones. He's an English comedian, you know, very silly, but he, he brings real, you know, heart to these, these interviews and they're great. But um i i popped on this cabinet of curiosities uh as uh, after you suggested it and listened to it and i was like this is really cool i really like this and the yeah. but the weird yeah. thing the thing that put me off it and i probably will still listen to it was the adverts oh he, right yeah. yeah he's like got this real sort of you know there's music creepy music and stuff or not creepy in this one that's law but like you know he's got like classical music in the background he's talking he's got a good sort of descriptive story type voice and then then he goes let me tell you about zit cream and he goes yeah. off on this whole thing telling <laughs> you like spot cream for like five minutes and it's yeah. it's just real like you know my like, dude could you not have put this at the end like this is really yeah. Yeah. off-putting um but yeah. he's, he's he's got a very good voice i don't know if he writes this stuff as well but like it is it is like listening to a story, isn't it? And it's nice that it's these little chunks. If you're just nipping out to get something from the the shop, and you've got a ten minute journey, you don't want to put on ten minutes of a two hour podcast. So it's nice to have these little digestible, self contained stories, and learn about Zip Cream at the same time, I suppose.
1: <laughs> so yeah. um, he, uh, so what happened is he uh, initially, obviously. Started law and law got really famous and you know had that short-lived TV show on Amazon and after that he established this business where apparently he hires um, like uh, history archaeologists and things right. like that who actually research it for him and I believe uh-huh. that I believe he has people that research different things and he then formulates that into what you have or what the end product is in this case.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, <clears throat> after that one, I'd never listened to law and I, yep. I, um, I think I'd heard of it, <clears throat> you know, round about yep. way, but I picked that one up and I've listened to a bunch more of that. I, I listened to like one or two of those uh, cabinet of curiosities, but I've since listened to a bunch of law. Um, and I found that one a lot more interesting. I don't, I, I mean, obviously that's his bread and butter stuff and that's what he's made him famous, but, um, yeah, yeah, he's 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 got he's got a very you know it's it's very relaxing. It's got a very good vibe to it. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I did I did enjoy it.
1: All right, so let's do the verdicts, everyone. <laughs> so Andrew, what uh, of everything that I pitched you were any of those your kind of weird?
0: Um, I think to be honest, they all are. Um, I think that of the things like I enjoyed, I enjoyed Cabinet of Curiosities, enjoyed Law. I'll listen to those again as I've subscribed, so they're on my phone now. Um, the uh, Mouth of Madness, I've seen and I watched again, and I think it really holds up like that. Is a, that's good and it's popular, you know, Lovecraftian stuff. For, you know, for all of its faults, is super popular, and I think that will hold up. So that's definitely worth a watch if you've not seen it. Um, the Girl Who Walks Home at Night, I uh, it didn't that was probably my least favorite. Like I didn't rate that book. Um, It felt like a very sort of first attempt indie book to me, but I think I need to give the whole thing a chance and read the whole story. Uh, So I will, I will, as much as I didn't dig the first one, I will read the whole thing to give it its fair, fair dues. But everything generally is my sort of stuff. Like I enjoyed it. I think they're all you know good in their own ways. Did you, uh, any of those things, something you'd be into? Any of those uh, those things that I put forward?
1: So the Bernard Cribbins um, album, uh, I'd be yeah. lying if I'd say I'll listen to it again. Um, <laughs> so not, not really my kind of weird. Um, no. As far as the other two are concerned, definitely going to check out Friday Night Dinners as soon as, well, in in uh, complete episodes rather than just YouTube snippets. Yeah, you've um, got to watch the whole thing
0: because it's one of those things. Sorry, like you know, you know, with comedy stuff especially, if you mm. there's comedy series where they they do one series and they get cancelled, um, and they've never got that opportunity to really sort of find their feet. Like it, it, they, yeah. they they yep. find out what's what's good and they double down on it and they they really get to 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 become something good. And six seasons of this you can watch the progression. So just getting yeah. the best of on YouTube isn't gonna isn't gonna do it. No, You've really no. sort got to get to know the the characters and this is like a family thing. And I think you just like I say, I think that's why it, it feels so good. You 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 feel like you're sort of part of the family almost. So debt really, really worth hunting that down if, if you can get it on any sort of streaming service.
1: Yeah, definitely. As far as Sex Castle goes, yes, that's definitely my kind of weird <laughs>
0: Yeah, and get the the other Karl Stark stuff as well. They're all phenomenal. Um, I haven't read Old Head yet, but the rest are are really good. Kill them all. He does a bunch of stuff for Image, but I've not read a lot of it.
1: Interesting point to make before we go to a quick sponsor break is whenever you Google sex castle, it comes up with (laughs) a Scottish castle where numerous sex capades have occurred and which – um uh yeah my ancestry is scottish so it's just wow.
0: kind of like
1: um, well that's an interesting um, yeah, co-sponsorship
0: opportunity for Karl starks he needs to get get sex castle readings going at the sex castle in scotland exactly it? exactly
1: <laughs> all right everyone we're going to go on a quick sponsor break and when we come back i'm going to interview andrew clemson and we're going to talk a bit about his comic book that noir
2: Hello again, everyone. Producer Andy here again. Last time, I asked you to visit SodaAndTelepaths.com to read all the latest on comics, science fiction and horror. Listen, I've been looking at the stats and I couldn't help but notice that not all of you went to the site. That's okay. You don't have to. But it would mean a tremendous amount to me if you did. As a reminder, on SodaAndTelepaths.com, you can read... All the site's interviews with people in the entertainment industry. There are movie and comic reviews. There are opinion pieces. It's enlightening, entertaining and enlightening. Or do you not want to know about that stuff? Perhaps you have better things to be doing on the internet. Perhaps you know the keyboard shortcut to open up an incognito browser in Chrome. It's Control shift n Or maybe you have some self-respect. Maybe you don't consider that one dude who thumbs up all your weird comments on Pornhub your best friend. And if you are one of those wholesome types, then get yourself over to SodaWithTelepaths.com. Okay? Please don't make me ask again.
1: So, Andrew, um, you've been writing a fair bit of comic books of late over the last couple of years. Um, so, I think uh, where I first became familiar with yourself was with uh, was bastard Yeah. Then you've done uh, uh, Bat Noir, which yeah. has which you are doing three issues on Kickstarter, and then Damsel from Distress, which you've done as well. Mm-hmm. Tell me, uh, I guess, a bit about Bat Noir. What was the what was the where did the overall inspiration come from with that?
0: So, like, um, I did um, first thing I did was Stylebaster, which was you know it's a silly you know sci-fi comedy action thing, um, you know very similar yeah. to Sex Castle. It's just a big stupid you know throwback action hero type guy. Um, I put a little blurb in the back of that when I put it out on Kickstarter, describing how it came about. And what happened was when I started writing. I think like most people that want to write their own stuff, I I was like, I'm going to write the next Watchmen. I am the next big thing. Here comes my Alan Moore magnum opus, you know, my Frank Miller. So I did this whole super thing, and I, you know, I because I, I'm not uh, a super talented writer like those guys, I found it very difficult. Uh, and I, at some point, I sort of put it to one side, and I just to blow off steam, I did Starbusted, and then that came. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> that what that you know was more fun. It was easier to get through. Da da da. Um, after that came out, I made friends with a writer in the UK called Matt Hardy, who's the editor on this book. And we yeah. were talking about things we could work on together. And, uh, I said, these are, you know, I've got a script folder, like most people do my in progress stuff. And, I, and one of those was Noir, which I'd done about four issues of. Um, and it was very different to what it is now. Um, and, and Matt, um, he is a very good editor. He went through and went, look, I'll be brutally honest. This stuff's really good but this stuff is just utter shit that like you need to get rid of this. This is just, it's tired. It doesn't do anything for you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we rejigged, um, Bet-Noir from this, you know, over magnum opus thing, which would have taken about a hundred issues to do. Uh, and we trimmed, trimmed the fat, got it down and sort of got it into like a, a six issue thing. Um, so it's, it's, a it's basically like a, uh, a revenge story set in a, a, in a world where there's no more superheroes. So you've got this right, guy who yeah. for, for trademark reasons is definitely not Batman. Um, how, no matter how much you might think he is, uh, he's been killed off years ago with all the other superheroes and he suddenly has somehow returned from the grave and is just, you know, brutally exacting his revenge on the the people responsible for the way the world is. So it's, it's a very different vibe to everything. Usually my stuff is like comedy there's always there's always a lot of comedy. It's quite lighthearted. but this is a lot um, this is a lot darker. Uh, it's a different vibe, and it's superheroes, which is always a it's a, it's a very uh, saturated market. So it's a it's a harder sell. But um, but we're doing all right. Um, we got issues one to three on Kickstarter. Um, I think there's like two more days, so we're probably done by the time this comes out. But um, but we all have uh, another cam- campaign going afterwards. And I think Matt will probably have them on his website after that. After the Kickstarter wraps up, so.
1: so. was Matt your first experience of working <clears throat> with an editor in the actual process?
0: Yeah. So I've I I, I didn't have an editor on Starbaster, which you can tell <laughs> if you read that book. You can tell there's no there's no over there's no uh, hand guiding everything to a certain direction. For better yeah, uh, that sort of accidentally just just you know through a process of events, you know Matt came on board and helped me out, and he became the editor. Um, and for, because of my experience on that, because we did issue one in end of 2019 um, on Kickstarter, uh, when I when I got my next series, which was "Damsel from Distress," I was I was adamant from the onset to have an editor uh, involved, just to make sure from issue one the story is going in the right direction. And honestly, I'd never do a book again without an editor involved from the beginning because it's. Uh, maybe like, again, maybe if you, you're a more skilled writer than, than I am, you know, if you're able to, to sort of take yourself out of the situation and know what can be cut out and what can't, but from my experience, you know, your, your books, they're your darlings, right? You know, oh, this bit's amazing. We need to have this bit, but someone else looks at it objectively and they can see this bit is just, we don't need this. That's going to, that adds pages to the book or, you know, that's, mm. that's, that's going to cost you 500 quid that you could spend somewhere else. Like you don't need to you know you don't need that in the story so i just the the editor in the process i've just found invaluable i, I wouldn't wouldn't touch a book without a, an involved editor again i don't think
1: um from from star bastard to to sort of uh Noire, noir um how would you say your writing process has changed and evolved
0: so <clears throat> I did. Um, I did two. Two Star Starbuster was literally just like, oh, "I'm going to do an issue of this as a bucket list thing," you know. Like it, it literally came about – a friend of mine from school had died, and I thought, ah, "If I drop dead tomorrow, what do I want to do?" I wanted to write. I wanted to do comics when I was a kid, right? So I did. I did the first one purely as I want to get this out and say I did it. So I did one issue, and it was. It was just pure nonsense it was just a big action you know explosions and space lasers and spaceships all this kind of stuff and then it did it did quite well so i was like shit i have to do a second one and i and i did the second one on kickstarter and then after the second one scout picked it up and i was like oh crap now i have to do like five or six of these so it it became i the process of writing that was like i'm going to write one put it to the side write another one there was no uh, like I say, it's very evident. There was no like big plan. There was no real, uh, real, um, overview of the story. It just sort of progressed as it went. <clears throat> and, um, when I did Bet Noir I'd written a lot of beforehand, but obviously we went back and changed it. It became, I'd learned from Starbust that you needed to put, you really needed to think about what was going to happen in your final issue when you were doing the first issue and so, on, so forth. So you can put things in there. Um, so it's very much, and, and Bet Noir is, is different, whereas Starbust was written just like a joke, basically, from the onset. It, it then progressed from there. Bet Noir was written from the end backwards. So I knew where the ending was going to be, what the big twist type thing would be. So I had to then set that up. Um, so it's it's been written the other way around. Um, but again, it's kind of, it was an experience of having written something and then going back and changing everything to make sense mm-hmm. and to make sure it all flows. And then with damsel, which is the, the next one, that was very much like, okay, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Let's fill in the middle of it. Um, and you, I had an editor from issue one. So with Hass, I got um, Hassan Otsman Elhau, who's, you know, everyone knows he's a fantastic letterer and editor. Uh, and I comics journalist as well. Um, I had I had two issues of Damsel written before we did any art, and he basically combined those into one issue. Like he was that's that's how much fat there was in my writing. He, you don't need this. You don't need this. Let's combine this. You need more. You know, energy in this. It needs to have a direction. Um, so they're, they're three very different experiences of 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 how I've plotted stories out um but i think they've all progressed i think the way i've done it with damsel is how i will do it from here on out um but they're you know all fun ways of working you can do you you know you can wing it if you're if you know what you're doing you can definitely wing it issue to issue
1: so one thing i like to do is sort of with my website is really um dissect as much of comic books as i can Uh, Mm i not every not every time I'll go into the name of a comic book series, but mm-hmm. Bête Noire, which means Black Beast, is a yeah. French idiom referring to something that is strongly disliked or avoided. Was that purposeful or was Bête Noire yeah. just your?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if Bête Noire, um, and obviously, like you put it out, like we put the first one on Kickstarter, and you get, I, we had a, like two or three messages a day, a day going, You spelt this wrong. Like, this is how you do it in French. I'm like, It's not French. We've just, you know, it's like I know there's a French term, and that's where we've taken it from. But this is just like, you know, if you, if you put the proper French version on a book, I think on stands where you want these things to end up, that's going to put off English readers, I think, because i will be like, oh, that's yeah, French, do right. do it. So really, we've sort of changed it, like you say, that the the noir, the, the the French term, it boils down to like a like. Uh, a sort of uh, bugbear you know like a personal gripe like mm. your nemesis yeah. you know what i mean like grudge, it's that kind of thing uh, yeah know, gri- that's
1: what grind my gear grinds my gears sort of yeah about this thing yeah
0: so you know without without too many spoilers like it, once once you read the series and go back it will it, it makes a lot more sense it's me trying to be super clever basically that title but it's um it, it it has led to people going like, well, why are you not putting the, you know, the accents on the E's and like, you know, I've got a degree in French. and It's not, it's not a French <laughs> book, mate. Like just, just read it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like those are the people you didn't write this comic
0: series for. Mm, yeah. It's, it's, it, you know, if you, if you get it, if you're reading too much into it at the end of the day, this is a comic as clever as I'm trying to make it. and I am trying to make it fun. And it's about a guy, you know, puts his underpants on over his tights and goes around punching people on rooftops like it's a it is a is a superhero book so don't try and overanalyze it that was the problem I did you know when I first did it and I was like this is going to be Watchmen like this is just a you know it's a fun it's a noir revenge story so it's um I, I I hope that the difficulty with it is there is a conceit from the start which I mean the first issue is basically just A bait and switch you know there's a big twist at the end and all this kind of stuff or about halfway through and then another one at the end and but the it's very it's a very hard series to do a log line or a a synopsis of without the spoiler which will happen you know about five or six issues in so but once it does i hope you're able to then the plan is that you read it once as a fun superhero book and when you go back having read the first volume it's a lot There's a lot more meat to it and you see why we've done certain things. Um, So, you know, that's the plan with, with, with all Kickstarters. Now I'm doing two issues just because the biggest complaint I've had every time is I enjoyed this. Have I got to wait another six months to get a single issue? Um, Or if it's going to take six months for every issue, I'm going to wait until you do a trade, which is a, I mean, that kills indie books. You know, you need those single issue um, backers. So we're doing – we've got two and three on Kickstarter now and then we'll do four and five uh, or four, five and six depending on how we, we finish the last script. Um, uh, and then, you know, we're doing the same thing with Damsel. So hopefully without – it won't be too long. It should be the end of the year and we've got these two trades out.
1: So I'm just trying to work out the timeline in terms of how you wrote things and in what order. So obviously Star Bastard came out first and um, – in terms it of
0: writing first. first, no, it yep. came second.
1: No, oh, okay. Which was written first, Bat?
0: Ben? well yeah. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so Noir right. was, then- was the superhero book, and then I got to like the fourth issue, thinking it was going to be about twenty-five issues, which is obviously the the mistake you make before you get into indie publishing and realize the ins and outs of it. When you're just a reader, yeah. you think, "Oh, it's easy." You get to issue one hundred, so I'm going to base my entire indie comic book on the twist that happens in an issue, in issue one hundred. So I was sure. writing this thing, trying to be clever and lie all these like, you know, oh, listen, when you've read issue 100, this thing in issue one is going to really get you. And da-da-da-da. And it was just so tiring and exhausting that yeah. I wrote a paragraph and just said, oh, this is the I just rewatched Young Ones. And I, I guess you've watched the Young Ones. Like that's classic UK comedy. There's a character in that called Rick um, and his favorite programmes called Bastard Squad. And, um, <laughs> I just did a paragraph called the ballad of the space bastard. And it was, you know, I'd reread a bunch of Lobo and stuff. And I used to love that as a kid. And, and it was just this big invulnerable space douchebag. And he went around the car- galaxy, pissing everyone off. And there's, you know, sentient thought clouds and stuff. And I did this like, as a, like a paragraph and I thought that sounds fun. And I did the first issue just to blow off steam of that. And when I gave that to the collaborators that I was looking to work with, they they all went oh that one sounds great yeah i'll do that one like you know put the other with the superhero one forget that one let's do this one so i went from uh you know like please will you do my superhero book what will it cost me to oh okay you all want to do this one which artist do i choose so i think maybe <laughs> that that gave me a sign that maybe artists as well you know they're getting the the same sort of tired scripts from a lot of people and they're just like oh just like I just need a bit of a break. I want to do something fun, you know, that's just stupid and, you know, just a a bit of a laugh. So that one just quickly pivoted. I was like, okay, this is what I focus on. So I put my efforts into Starbust and we did that. we got six out through Scout. Um, And in the meantime, you know, I I sort of was as you do in comics, I mean, you're working on your own stuff now, like you've got to have, uh, you've got to have multiple things in various stages of production so that once you put one thing out, it's not another three years till you put another thing out. Like you've got to leapfrog. So um, you know, I've always got something. One thing art phase. One thing scripting phase. One thing planning phase. Um, so it was, it was, it was Bette Noir first. Then Star Bastard. Then we reapproached Bette Noir. Um, I've got another thing called Child of the Machine, uh, which is like a graphic novel project, which is you know s- slowly coming together over many years. And then Damsel. So, and Damsel and Bet Noir are now my focus.
1: Yeah, excellent. Um, how would you, I mean, do you feel as though the more stuff you get out there, the easier it gets with your pictures? Because one thing that I've found is um, I've got something with an artist that's being drawn at the moment and then I got mm-hmm. a someone to draw a variant and she I sent her the script to kind of, I guess, influence in the call it whatever you want to sort of um, so that she could come up with the variant cover and then I said to her afterwards how would you feel about an actual collaboration this is my sort of my Ooh. idea and then she's just like yes please yes that sounds amazing. <laughs> the biggest problem I have as an artist is that I get so many pictures that I yeah. have to sift through so much rubbish. Do you, right. do you feel like for you, it's, um, it's a similar sort of experience?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I'm those rubbish pitches that she's having to sift through. to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's easier when, when you're starting out and you've got nothing and you're, you're approaching these artists and you're saying, listen, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be a great writer. I'm going to have this thing. It's going to be great. Please look at it. You know, uh, yeah. if you're, I don't know how many other people's scripts you've read, um, it's difficult, you know, to get the the enthusiasm to read a comic script because, you know, you, it, it, it's, it's not set up for reading in that way. You know, it needs the art. So I think once once you have books for someone to read, it's very easy for them to get your vibe, like what kind of stuff you do, how well your stuff translates. Um, and it's definitely been a lot easier for me to get interest from artists once I had books out. I mean, Star Bastard is mm. is very uh, Marmite uh I, I, it's uh, like marmite <laughs> you know what marmite is but like to americans marmite is a is a yeast extract spread we have in the uk which their their tagline they've even embraced you either love it or you hate it there's nothing in the middle um mm. so yeah. i find starbusters is like that it's like some people really love it and some people despise it because it's very machismo you know it's very throwback so yeah it's it, having that one you know i could interest artists that were into it but artists that didn't still weren't interested it almost put artists off but as you get more of a portfolio now i you know i've done multiple anthologies i've got i've got starbuster i've got bet Noir, i've got damsel i can throw all of that to people and they get a vibe okay he does a bit of bit of sci-fi a, a bit of yeah. uh, noir superhero stuff a bit of sort yeah. of fantasy and then they can go, okay, this, this looks like someone that puts out work. They're able to focus on a project. Um, it's worth me putting my time in. Um, mm. Cause I think that's the other yeah. thing you approach an artist, ask for their time and effort and, you know, blood, sweat and tears. If they don't think you're going to commit to this project, they're not going to be interested. So I think, nice. I think it, it does, there is a curve, you know, it gets a bit easier to to get people involved in your things as you do more work. It's a bit of a catch 22, but that's the nature of the game, isn't it? you got to make comics to, to make comics.
1: Yeah, that's it. Now, Damsel from Distress, I had a quick read through it uh, when you sent me the PDF. Mm. Um, now, it feels to me like there's a bit more writing maturity going on. You seem to have a bit more of an understanding now around sort of social nuances between characters and rather mm. than just, you know, fight scenes or, you know. Um, fart jokes, douche, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fart jokes, douchebag from out of space kicking doors in. Yeah. Do, do you feel like you, you're starting to sort of get into your own head in terms of what works for you, what doesn't work for you, where your strengths and your weaknesses are?
0: yeah damsel damsel is definitely the best thing i've done and again i I think a lot of that is down the art's fantastic and hassan is a genius so he's able to sort of guide your hand in a certain way and make sure everything makes sense because that that first one it again it came from the name i just thought ah we could you know i misheard it damsel in distress as damsel from distress and thought oh man from uncle damsel from distress i do this thing and and i also wanted to do a, you know starbust is very uh it's very machismo there's a level of toxic masculinity in there so i wanted to get away and have something that was a bit more balanced and do a strong female character um and so a lot of that being aware of where the problems were in my old stuff uh, which i still like like i still got a volume two of starbust that we were going to work on and all this kind of stuff but I, I'm aware of what doesn't work or has has been problematic and I'm sort of bringing that into the newer stuff so if you read the first draft of damsel it was it was quite it was like a sort of female star bastard in a fantasy world <laughs> like she's very sort of you know s- smart ass you know uh, uh very confident character but um but I've also made made it important that it's not all one-liners and it's not all, you know, there is a story underneath it. And, uh, you know, you've got to think about who your audience is and make sure there's someone there for everyone. Um, I think there should be one that actually passed the old, uh, what's that test is the Bechdel test test. Yeah. 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 So, so this one, you know, there'll, there's, there's scenes that will pass that. And I I think that's important because every time you do that on purpose, I think, you get closer to doing it accidentally in the stuff that you do afterwards subsequently. So, yeah. um, yeah, this, this one is, uh, it, just the fact that I can like go on local radio to promote it and they're not going to go, well, you can't say the title. So I can, <laughs> you, know, you know, I can, I can let my mum read it and not be worried about it. Even though, even though my mum was like a big, has been a big supporter of, of star Master. you know, she'll go to conventions as a lady in her sixties and go up to you know conventions they live in the states you'll go up to Florida conventions in Florida and go oh this is my son's book star bastard <laughs> like i always always thought it'd be quite funny as a as a as a pro to get that from a you know a lady this is my son's book it's called star bastard but <laughs> it's it's one of those things you you um i think like you say there's there's a level of, it, it's it's not like a serious book it's still fun you know there's still a lot of jokes and gags in damsel because it is a fun it's supposed to be a fun book, like, uh, you know, one of these boom-style books. But um, but there's definitely uh, – it's definitely a, a better story than a lot of the other stuff I've done.
1: Excellent. Andrew, where can people find you online?
0: So I've got um, I've got a website, which is ClemsonComics.com. That's like uh, – that's my website. That's got, you know, about me and all that kind of stuff and a contact and stuff like that. Social media-wise, I've got all the social medias – but I, I've got Instagram and I'm, I'm terrible at it, so that's probably pointless. But I am on there as Clemson DXB. Um, uh, I'm on Facebook, but I keep that for you know personal stuff. Twitter is where I'm most active, but Twitter is horrendous. So it's up to you whether you want to do that to your mental health. Uh, if you do, <laughs> uh, it's just at Andrew Clemson. I got in there nice and early, uh, so that's where I am. But it's you know it's questionable. <laughs>
1: thanks for this Andrew this has been fun Um, for everyone who hasn't already you can go check out Andrew Clemson's work at the aforementioned links and for those who haven't subscribed to my kind of uh, weird I almost said my kind of podcast um, (laughs) this is my kind of podcast and it should be your kind of podcast as well so go check out uh, my kind of weird hit the subscribe and all those fun things Andrew thanks again for your time
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, yeah, you're in the future. So thanks for, thanks for speaking to me from the future.
1: And that's a wrap. Speak to you guys later.